now with hosts Tom Wisenand and Josh Monroe. We hope you're able to leave feeling encouraged and ready for another day of changing lives in the field of education as we speak with inspirational teachers from across the nation and across the world about what keeps their spark lit. On this episode, Arlinda Davis, a multi-award-winning teacher from Alabama, shares her passion about using the arts to teach her students and preparing them to inherit society. Without any further ado, Arlinda Davis. Arlinda, thank you so much for for being here with us. We're so excited to get to sit down and talk with you finally. Uh, For those that are listening, though, and they don't know who you are, what's your elevator pitch? Who are you? Where are you from? What are you all about? Well, my elevator pitch would be that I am Arlinda Davis. I am from Pinson, Alabama. For people who might not know, that's right outside of Birmingham, Alabama. I am a country teacher is what I call a little girl from a little small town who loves children, who loves teaching. I love everything about education. Um, I have, I'm currently the WE teacher ambassador for the United States. Um, I'm a Sanford um, 2020 Alabama State winner. Also, I am a NASA lead teacher for the state. Um, and I would just say I'm a person who just loves my profession. I love children. Arlinda, your passion just comes through the screen or through the through the speakers. And it's just absolutely magnificent to talk yeah. to you. And you've been so successful. And I don't in any teacher frame, you've been just ultra successful. So I have to know what made you want to pursue a career that ended up so, or not ended, but is going so well in education? Well, um, I started when I really started finding out the importance of education as a um, fifth grade student. And that would have been um, during a time when I was not very, not feeling like I fit in. Um, I was quiet and I would whisper answers because uh, I felt like I, I had no place within the classroom, and I had a teacher named Mr. Bandy, and he literally saw me and pulled me to the side and said, did you know that you're a genius? And when he did that, it was like the beginning of my love for education, my desire of wanting to help someone else um, feel like I did, feel like I had a purpose, feel like I was important. And uh, as I went on, I had another teacher in 10th grade who just would um, give me certain things to do within her classroom. She was an English teacher, and she was just like um, telling me how amazing I was with writing. And that's when I, I really found out I really loved writing. And so 
I got skipped from 10th to 12th grade, and I was in um, college at 16. And being in college at 16, you can't do much. I was at Howard University in Washington, so I was like a baby. And so I finished my first year and a half of college that first two semesters. Uh, I actually thought it was going to be the next Oprah, <laughs> and I was in journalism. But um, then this thing happened with me with a child that I was working with at church and she was shy and she was so much like me she reminded me of myself and I remember she finally got up in front of the church and she um, sang and participated and played her mom was crying because she thought she would never really be able to do that and um, when I saw the impact just the little thing I did by recognizing something in her that someone recognized in me I realized that education really was where I was uh, needed. And I've been there ever since. I love it. It's been good to you. You've been amazing at it. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely a calling, though. And I, I believe each and every teacher who is in this field, they have been called because there are times when you do feel like you might want to give up. But that calling keeps you going as well. Those children that you interact with, they, uh, they inspire you. What a full circled story too, that your fifth grade teacher inspired you by, by recognizing the genius inside of you and then you helping that little girl recognize the amazingness that she has. That is an awesome, awesome story. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you. And, and you talk about teaching's a calling. It truly is. Teaching is not just a job. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people truly understand that if they're not in classrooms, if you're not working with kids, um, has there ever been a time that you lost some of that inspiration or maybe, maybe that calling seemed to be a little bit of a faint whisper? Uh, has there ever been a time that, that that's happened to you? Well, um, as I think back, I wouldn't say I was uninspired, but I would say that I was frustrated. Um, with teaching, when you're working with children, you're making relationships and you kind of are establishing bonds with them and the people you work with. Um, it's very frustrating sometimes when you have people who actually do not um, spend each day in the classroom with children who want you to um, do these different policies that they have, um, but it's not affecting the lives of a child. It's not um, what you're doing to help that child eventually be productive and come into their purpose. And so uh, I think maybe two years ago, I had a, uh, our district issued this, every teacher teaches the same thing at the same time. And I was saying to myself, but we're differentiating instructions and we are teaching different children who have different situations in their lives and they have different um, gifts. And so it's not possible to do that. So that was frustrating. But I eventually moved towards the thing where, you know what, I'm smart. I can figure this out. So I started figuring out how can I do this? How can I still uh, adhere to what I have to do to keep my job? But keep my inspiration going and keep on doing what I came to do. And that was to help children eventually walk in their purpose. 
I think that's so powerful, preparing kids to walk in their purpose. And one thing that, that was brought up in a questionnaire that we sent you, Arlinda, was the fact mm-hmm. that we're preparing uh, kids and students to inherit society. And I just, I find that really, really empowering as an educator because it is about the math facts and it is about the states and capitals and it is about mm-hmm. the geography, but it really is preparing these kids, these these young human beings to inherit society. Talk to us a little bit about, about where that comes from and, and how that impacts your your drive to build these meaningful relationships in your classroom. Okay, so a really um, interesting story about me saying um, that's, that is one of my platforms is we're here to help children inform, to inherit society. Uh, I actually was in one of my um, teaching um, classes preparing to become a teacher and we were um, looking at Plato and Socrates and um, as I started reading I started seeing where Plato was saying you know our job is to make sure that we uh, have productive citizens and and things that we should do that are not things that normal people think of and this idea of you know we are preparing these children to be the next doctors or lawyers or custodians, or um, CMP workers in our school, or bus drivers, whatever it is that helps this world, this thing we call life, be successful. So I was like, it's our job. We plant the seeds, but plant the seed, it won't grow. You have to put into that soil everything it needs to grow. So that's our job. We are helping these children identify their purpose. And I always say um, children have a special arete. They're born with that within them. And so when we recognize that and we foster that and we do all those things, then ultimately we are going to help them be the people who may end up taking care of us. They may end up being our doctors when we're 60, 70 years old. So, yeah, I just love the thought that um, these kids will inherit society one day and we want them to be productive citizens. What a what a great platform to to go from too, because mm-hmm. as you as you talk about mm-hmm. the importance of knowing kids, investing in kids, I mean you're you're doing that with that platform. And I know that when I read that uh, that answer that you wrote in the questionnaire, I was immediately like, "We're gonna vibe, Arlinda and I and Tom. <laughs> we're gonna vibe because that's exactly how teachers should should be. It, it shouldn't be." a state test score that that you're Mm -hmm. focused on. It should be that kid and who they want to become and us helping to guide them to that. So what an awesome platform. I I think I'm going to have to start using that. Help (laughs) society. I love it. I love it. So Arlinda, you, you talk about investing in kids and, we have a lot of, a lot of people that are, that are listening to this, that are, future teachers that are student teachers, what advice would you give to them? What, what are ways that you, that you invest into your kids, that you help them get ready to inherit society? Well, um, I, first thing I would say, one of the things to help invest in them is you have to know them, getting to know them, finding out um, things about them, finding out their likes and their dislikes and, um, Finding out, you know, we deal with children, we deal with SEL, um, 
the social emotional learning part of that, you know, knowing what, what is going on in that child's life. And so when she, once you find their passion, once you find out what that children love, the, what children love the most or that child loves the most, um, you can use that to educate them because when they feel like, you know, this person really cares enough to know that I like the color green or I love um, collecting race cars. I had a child who's autistic and uh, we were having the, a big time trying to teach him math. And so I, he loved collecting cars. He could tell you any car there was in the, the whole world created. And so I had to take that love of cars and use it to teach him math. And so I would say, like, oh, there are 16 Volvos and three Ferraris, you know, how many cars in all? And he would just give it to me. <laughs> but he felt that connection. And that made me feel successful as well because, hey, I found something to reach this child. Uh, I believe you cannot teach them unless you reach them. So just find out little small things that are going on or major things that are going on will make a a child feel like you're investing in them and they would give you everything back and more because they, they know you care. Yeah. The relationship, you just, you can't, you can't overemphasize that in education. I don't think, um, whether it be connecting over, over Ferraris and Volvos or whether it be, <laughs> you know, kids, kids can bring some, some really heavy things to, to school with them. And, right. and once they know that you care, you, you start, creating that safe and, and positive environment within your classroom. And so um, I know you do a lot of work with um, trauma-informed mm-hmm. instruction as well um, and really empowering students through the trauma that they may be, may be facing. Um, so how do you incorporate that into uh, the instruction that takes place in your classroom? Well, um that has really been a subject close to my heart, especially within the last year, um, is finding out, you know, children come to us with a baggage, a backpack full of different things. And what I found out is as teachers, we can sometimes maybe relate. Um, maybe it's something that happened in our childhood that will also help us connect with that child. But, um, one thing I do is have a, a conversation with them just when they walk in the morning. Oh, you know, how was your night? If I see the child looking like um, something happened, you know, giving them that space from that, but giving them the time away from the class to say, you know, hey, uh, in my classroom, I have a cozy corner, as we call it. Um, it's got um, like mobiles hanging from the ceiling because, you know, when we were babies, we had mobiles and they kind of calmed us. So I have like a C um, uh, type environment. So I have pills that look like coral reefs and um, seaweed hanging from the ceiling with some fish and that's their special place. And when they feel like they just need some time or need, they may come sleepy. They're sleepy. I allow them that time because, you know, why try to teach a child who's sleepy? Or I have a refrigerator and a microwave. And if it's something they need to eat, they know there's a place to go. And so it's, it feels like home. It feels like a place that's safe and that they can come in and be uh, what they want to be and be who they want to be. But also feel safe enough to come to me to say, hey, this is happening. Or, you know, I need your help. So I think just your environment and how you 
um, present your classroom. They didn't always have to be paper, pencil books, but you can give a place to children to um, kind of take off that baggage for a minute. Yeah, and I love the idea of that the cozy corner and making making your classroom feel like a home. When you think about all the hours that kids are going to spend with us, we got to make it comfortable. Mm-hmm. We got to make it a place that they love being at. So what an awesome way to do that. And I, I'm a very big advocate of, well, I love theater. As you see, Hamilton in the background. Yes, <laughs> Hamilton. I love A. Ham. <laughs> Um, I love um, music and art and I love STEM projects. And so my children have um, bins of Legos in the classroom. Um, And it is oftentimes when uh, I have what I call my Lego innovation station. (laughs) And that's where they actually go and they make a plan to build something. They draw out the plan. I tell them, you know, you're architects. So they have to draw out the plan and they build it. And then, I think the thing they love most is when I come over with my camera and say, oh, my gosh, I've got to take a picture of this. We've got to. And so we started a little book of all their creations, and it has their um, blueprints. It has what it looked like when they finished. And then I say, now tell me how you can change that up. And so, you know, letting them know that education can be fun is also very important. This is their classroom, and they have the autonomy to do some things they need to do. And I still get in every standard I need to get in. I love that idea. I absolutely, I love the fact that not only are they doing it, but then you're documenting it as well. well. I think sometimes as adults, we forget the importance of showing that interest by documenting students' work, you know? So I I just really think that is ultra powerful um, in in education. Arlinda, you are... um, the epitome of what a successful teacher looks like. Um, you make a difference in, in children's lives. You've, you've won national uh, honors. You're an ambassador for educators. Um, so in your opinion, what are some of the biggest issues facing educators today? Um, one thing that I have noticed, especially since the pandemic hit, um, is that teachers do not realize how valuable they are. They don't understand their worth. Um, They feel because things are thrown at them and they're expected to just automatically adjust. And they do. And because they do, they don't realize that they are so valuable. And without teachers, you wouldn't have uh, any of the things that we have as far as careers um, go. And so I think one of the biggest issues that teachers are facing is knowing that you are more valuable than anything um, that anyone can ever understand and that they're facing having to do these things and having the desire to do it. We all desire to make it work. And sometimes we will push ourselves beyond every limit. We are, we work night and day and we think about our kids and our sleep and you know, I woke up one day and I was saying a child's name in my sleep. And I was like, oh, my goodness. But we take that home with us. And so I think the biggest issue is giving um, teachers time to to um, revamp and give them time to know that you are valuable, you are appreciated, and that you also deserve that time to be able to sometimes step away 
and uh, get your spirit rejuvenated so you can come back and give everything you have because you're going to do it anyway. But you shouldn't have to do it tired. You shouldn't have to do it frustrated. You should do it with the joy of knowing, hey, you really made the world go round. That's an important thing for all teachers to hear because I think when we were talking with Lynn, um, she was talking about just how more plates are added to teachers. And, and you're speaking right to that, that we keep, we're given all of this stuff in our hearts. They're so big. We want, we want mm-hmm. everything for our kids and we never take time to, to stop for us for a moment. So I, I, that's a message that every teacher needs to hear that you're valued, you're loved and what you're doing is so important. Yeah. And and our Linda, we're seeing, especially this year, we're seeing teachers get burnt out. Um, mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you can go on any social media platform and you see teachers talking about thinking about leaving teaching, um, how burnout they are. What, what are some ways? And if, if this has ever happened to you when you're starting to feel burnout, what are some ways that, that teachers can start to fill that cup up? Well, I would definitely say that um, some ways of doing that is, first of all, finding the thing that you're passionate about, finding the thing that you love the most. Um, Even within each child, each child that we teach, they present something to us um, that somehow is inspiring or somehow we want to, you know, um, help that child become successful. So we started trying to um, channel what we're doing towards that child. But not only that, what do you love? You know, I, I love, like I said before, I love music, I love theater, and I love, um, I love writing. And so I kind of use the things I love in the classroom because what better way to give myself joy is by finding the thing I love and then teaching it um, or using it in a lesson. Uh, I love science, but I've somehow been able to like write a song or make up a poem or something where I'm teaching the water cycle or I'm teaching um, about the weather. Uh, and so my children are learning, but I'm using the thing I'm passionate about to teach them. Um, also, I, I, I believe like having a mentorship or having your colleagues where you can get together after school um, I, we call it our faculty meeting, but we're not really with, um, you know, like our supervisors. So we can say and do what we want, but we also can kind of channel off each other. We can bounce ideas off each other. If something's not working in my classroom, I might hear something my colleague is doing. Um, but it's a time where you're being human. You're being, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I won't say people don't think teachers is being human, but you know, we, we are, we need laughter and we need um, people where we could cry and laugh and joke with. And so I think that's very important, too, is having that person or people that you can get together with and get ideas from and laugh and cry and whatever you need to do to empty your cup, to refill your cup. Because sometimes an empty cup may have like a little residue in it. <laughs> you need to wipe it out and put some new things in and so that gives you that time. 
Arlinda, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because I feel like there's a lot of empty cups with some residue across the country right now. And I'm so thrilled that you are able to rinse them out and uh, just be here. Yes, yes. This might be the biggest faculty meeting you've ever been part of, by the way. Um, hey, yes, yes, awesome. <laughs> hey, um, so what are some of the innovative curriculums or programs? Uh, you do work with NASA, you said. Um, what are some really cool things that you use to inspire your students? Well, um, I trained at the Lincoln Center for three years um, in New York City and using aesthetic education, um, which I absolutely love it because, again, it allows me to use um, the things I love to teach children about um, science and social study and reading. And, you know, you might get to watch a play and then you get the children to analyze it and write down their thoughts and then they go back and watch the play again, a little part of the play again. And it gives them those problem solving um, abilities and um, creative thinking and thinking outside of the box skills. Um, with NASA um, teaching kids about you know, the things that we don't know, the unknown with us being space. Um, and it's really been such a great year with NASA launching uh, the, their new programs and um, re-inspiring children to become astronauts or, or uh, astro engineers. Um, and so I believe just anything that you can teach and you can pull into your classroom to help each child who has a, a love for something. Um, like I said, I, I play classical music um, sometimes, and sometimes I play um, music they like, you know, um, R&B or hip-hop or, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, Osmo. Osmo is a thing um, teaching, that teaches them coding um, skills as well. It's just really, I must say, it, my class varies from year to year, um, who I might have with me, and just, like, finding what they like. I'm a really big advocate of writing. My children are first grade, but they, by the time they leave me, they are essaying, and people are, like, amazed at their handwriting, at their their writing skills, at their um, thinking things out. And so my children have learned that writing is a... Um, door to their soul. And so now they know, hey, when I'm feeling a certain way, I can put that on paper. I can draw a picture to go with it. I can illustrate it. Um, so there are just so many different things I pull in. Um, it's just according to who I'm teaching that year and what their love is. That's, I love that because I think sometimes as, as teachers, we get really set on, I'm going to save this for next year. This, this was great. This was, and throw that out the window. You're, you're going to teach to the kids that you have that year because you know who they are. I love that. And, and, and I'm not forsaking standards for people out there. Who are like, what about the standards? You know, um, you take that standard. And what I think a lot of teachers sometimes don't understand is, yes, there is a standard, but how you teach that standard is it should come from within here and within here and making that connection. You know, your heart, your your brain tells your heart what to do. Your brain tells your heart to beat and tells, it tells your eyes to blink. And, you know, it's the same signals being sent, but how 
you display that, you know, my heart jumps. I'm happy now. My heart is sad. I might be, I might cry. So even though that signals the same, the way it comes out can be different. So yes, just find that standard and attach it to what you love and um, make sure you cover it and document, of course, <laughs> that I'm doing the standard, but show that you can do it from, you know, your way, your perspective. Remember, Linda, I love too that you said um, that writing writing is a way to express your your soul and the, the way that you're talking about that really takes me to the book that Tom turned me to permission to feel and mm-hmm. you're teaching kids and this goes to the social emotional learning, but you're teaching kids one, it's okay to have feelings. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have big feelings too. And you're teaching them how to regulate those emotions in really healthy and appropriate ways. Uh, the things you're doing in your class are absolutely amazing. Thank you. I have, I definitely um, can contribute my love for teaching to my children that I've taught. I actually, after 26 years of teaching, I still have children who are calling me, hey, ma. They call me ma for whatever reason. But um, I've taught their children now. They brought them to my classroom. Um, and I've taught them, but that, that relationship doesn't end when they leave your class. Uh, I follow them wherever they go. When they graduate, I'm there. Um, and so I just feel like, you know, when you, once you make that relationship and that bond, then you are already invested and they know it. And um, it, it's a lifelong uh, reward. Well, Arlinda, we love, thank you so much for being here. We have one last question. Um, and it is, what does the world need now? We, we have tons of stuff going on, COVID, of course, and everybody everybody is, is gearing up for uh, Thanksgiving would have just ended when this comes out. But, but what do we need as a society, as a global citizenship? Well, I, I really, um, when, I, when I heard the title of your program, I was just like, wow, this, this, and the title by itself is powerful. But um, definitely, I would say the world needs understanding. And when I say understanding, um, not just in the aspect, oh, I understand, but with understanding comes knowledge. And with knowledge comes power. And when you have the power, uh, then you believe I can do anything. And so then you start saying that understanding, I need to understand why, you know, why is this um, child not responding to my class? Or why is this child seeming like they're um, not involved or not happy with learning? Um, Who? I need to understand who I'm dealing with. What does this child have to bring to the table that I need to kind of help them um, make it grow? You need to understand where. (laughs) Where do I want this child to go? Where do I want to go as a teacher to help the children I'm dealing with be successful? And who, you know, who do we ultimately want to help this child become? And they know that because it's innate, it's within them. So I would say the world needs understanding and not just, you know, being empathetic with people, but the understanding that as teachers, we make a difference and we make the difference in the lives of children who one day 
um, understand that we we always needed them as well. What an awesome answer. Kind of, it's not the way I thought you were going to go with it. And it's so powerful. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Arlinda, we want to, we want to thank you again for being with us. Um, I know I can speak for Tom when I say this was absolutely amazing. I know that we feel, we feel inspired every night that we, that we talk with teachers and it's no different. You are an inspiration you change lives. You know, you said that it's important for, for teachers to remember that they're mattered. So I want to tell you, you are mattered, you are valued, you are loved. And, and what you are doing is, is life-changing. Well, I just want to thank you both so much because uh, I have watched each teacher who has come on here. And they all have given me something that I can take away from and um, just be inspired. And so I just love the fact that, like I said, this is one big faculty meeting. We get to discuss the things that are important, encourage each other. And so I just say kudos to both of you for thinking of this. This is just really wonderful. And um, <laughs> one thing I, I just want to add before we finish is uh, I know people, we've had a lot of changes in education with COVID, but um, start looking as best you can to the positive. And one thing I found out that has been positive is the way we're using technology to uh, reach out to other people that we might not be able to reach out to. So this, what you're doing is fabulous. Uh, I probably have got to meet with more teachers, I mean, with more um, parents more often because of Zoom. So (laughs) as glitchy as it is, uh, I do say thank you both. Narlinda, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hopefully you're ready for another week of changing lives. We're so thankful and appreciative that you took time to listen to our guest, Arlinda Davis. We hope as you head out that you remember how loved, valued, and appreciated you are. Thank you for your love and passion for helping prepare students to inherit society. Have a great one.